Good morning, Fabcasters. This is our bar with the drive time. I'm not feeling too well, so this morning I, I slept in. And I usually, I want to be up earlier than everybody else, so I begin my day with solitude, with a, with a routine that gets my mind focused on the things I got to do, focus on the Lord, so on and so forth. But, man, when, I, when I'm feeling sick, I want to I sleep in. And I want to recover faster, uh, sooner rather than later. So that's what I did this morning. I slept in, and one of the coolest things happened to me. Now, usually I'm the last one to get sick in the family as, as it goes through everybody. So they've already done their sickness time. But early, early in the morning, um, one of my kids comes in and crawls into bed with me. Bam, one, one on my left arm. And then uh, later on, another one, my son comes and he's on my, my right arm. I was like, man, this is, I love this. I love this. I got one kid in each arm. We're all snuggling under the sheets. And then here comes a third one. Bam, crawls right up on my chest. And that's, and the other one can't crawl. So uh, it's just, just a little squishy ball of mush. But what a great feeling. It's one of the most... I can't even explain it, man. That storge love that the Greeks called it. It's this love that I have for my own flesh and blood, for my kids. But I had all three kids on me. The baby was with the wife who was up early. And I'm thinking, this is every father's dream. To just be able to embrace his kids. And, and they feel the safety of being in my arms and so now I'm thinking about this from a spiritual perspective how pleased would the father be if all I cared to do first thing in the morning was to just be embraced by him and because I'm in the ministry of helping people find freedom I'm often painting this picture of that what if God wants to just hold us and, the, and one of the main things that's holding me back is I refuse to just be held by him. What if that were true? And I thought about some of the ways that, that I tend to stiff arm God and say, well, you, I know you like to hold me, but not today. And that's when I do this. It's when, I, when I've convinced myself that God doesn't want to hold me, then I don't approach him in this brokenness of God just hold me because I, assu- I assure you if one of my kids came up to me and said daddy can you hold me and I said yeah sure come here and they said well I don't think you'll want to hug me if I tell you what I've done I, uh, I assure you there's nothing that my kids could do where I would see them as not worthy to be held by me I haven't always acted that way but in my heart there is nothing they could do so to take this illustration a little bit further if one of my daughters came up to me and said daddy I'm not pretty I would disagree and this has actually happened one time where one of my kids said repeated one of the things that a kid on the bus has said it was well he said I look like this. 
And I want to redirect her attention to me at that moment and say, look, look, who's, whose opinion matters? What daddy thinks about you or what that, what that boy over there thinks about you? Now, I'm telling you the truth. And I would, I would at that point encourage my daughter that she's the most beautiful thing in the world to me. And to get her mind accepting the fact that it's my opinion that matters, not some random kid who's trying to, or, or trying to get in under her skin. And now I think about the same thing with, with spiritual things. How many people in, in the ministry of, of helping people find freedom in Christ they said, nah, I don't know about this, man. You're asking me to, you're asking me to confess the things I've done. I don't think so. These are shameful things. And the reason why I ask, I'm not asking for me. I don't need to know anything. But, but things that people have done that have turned into shame, i.e., I am bad, I am dirty, I am, I'm an evil person. Those things are countered by confession. The antidote to shame and guilt that's turned into shame is confession and the belief that, look, I'm going to confess this because God's told me that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I, yeah, I believe that. So now I'm just going to confess this so I can be loved and embraced by the person that God has placed in front of me. And I'm going to go ahead and do this. And that would be equivalent to me of a person realizing that God loves them and that they have the freedom to, to be held into his arms and to be embraced by the warmth of his love. Whereas the opposite would be, I'm not going here because what I've done is so shameful I can't ever bring it back up. Whereas freedom tells me the opposite. No, this is the reason why we can go there. Because all of the shame and the guilt and, and, the, and the wrath of God was absorbed by Jesus Christ as he was on the cross absorbing all that shame and guilt and things that would keep us in bondage. That's where the freedom comes from. In, in Galatians 5, 1, one of my favorite passages, it's for freedom that Christ has created us to be free. And we ought to just walk in it. And, and what if... I've wanted God to hold me my whole life, but I refuse to put down things that I'm holding. What if, what if I couldn't enjoy his embrace until I first lay down all the things that I carry and all the burdens that I carry and all the, all the guilt that I carry and all the shame that I carry and all the, all the, the, the baggage? What if I had literally had to just drop that, stop working and stop carrying it and I just dropped it what if that was prerequisite to being embraced by God's love then, then I wonder I wonder what the impact of confession would be as far as solidifying in my mind that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the gospel tells me that Jesus Christ died on the cross for that. This is the good news. The gospel means good news in light of that bad news that my heart is prone to think that I am ugly, unworthy, and, and full of shame. Where God's saying, ah, the gospel is Jesus Christ dying on the cross and absorbing all that so you can be free in this moment. 
So I, I get all of that from what happened this morning when all my kids climbed on top of me and just wanted to be embraced by me and, and, and be loved by me. And so I'm just going to list a couple of things uh, and a couple of scriptures that that remind me of who God is. And then I'm going to tell you a lie of what the Father is not. So um, here's a lie that God is distant and uninterested. But the truth is that God is intimate and involved. Psalm 139, 1 through 18. The lie is that God is insensitive and uncaring. The truth is God is kind and compassionate. Psalm 103, 8 through 14. The lie is that God is stern and demanding and a draconian father. The truth is that God the Father is accepting and filled with joy and love. Zephaniah chapter 3, 17, Romans 15, 7. The lie is that God is a passive father and he's cold-hearted. The truth is God the Father is warm and affectionate. Isaiah 40, verse 11, Hosea 11, verses 3 and 4. The lie is that God is absent-minded or he's too busy for me or he's doing something more important. The truth is God is always with me and he's always eager to be with me. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 20, Ezekiel 34 verses 11 through 16, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. The lie is that God is never satisfied with what I do and that he's impatient and that he's angry. The truth is, God is very patient and slow to anger. He's patient and he's slow to anger. Exodus 34, verses 6. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The lie is that God the Father is mean, cruel, or abusive. The truth is God the Father is loving, gentle, protective of me. That's Psalm 18, 2, Jeremiah 31, verse 3, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, Isaiah 42, verse 3. The lie is that God is trying to take all the fun out of my life by putting rules on me. The truth is, God the Father is trustworthy and He wants to give me full life and His will is good and it's perfect and it it's acceptable. Lamentations chapter 3, 22 and 23. John chapter 10, verse 10. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. The lie is that God is controlling and a manipulative father. The truth is God is full of grace and mercy. And he gives me the freedom to fail. He gives me the freedom to fail. He never has a backhand for me. Look at Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16. The lie is that God is condemning and unforgiving. The truth is God the Father is tender-hearted and forgiving. His heart and His arms are always open to me. Psalm 130, verses 1 through 4. Luke chapter 15, 17 through 24. The lie is that God is nitpicking, exacting, or perfectionistic. 
the truth is God the Father is committed to my growth and he's proud of me as a growing child. Romans chapter 8, 28 through 29. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 4. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And as I close, imagine this in your mind's eye is that one of your children is crawling into your lap, puts their head on your chest, holds you tight and says, hold me, daddy. Daddy, hold me. Mommy, hold me. My feelings are hurt. Would you just hold me? I want my mommy to hold me. I want my daddy to hold me. And that's, that's the picture that God the Father wants us to have of him. He is a perfect, perfect father. He is a good, good father. And I am loved by him. It's who he is and it's who I am. All right, Fabcasters. Love you guys so much. I pray that you would look up those scriptures and that those scriptures have, would have their way with your heart, with your soul. And with that, I'm saying this is Arbar signing off. Talk to you later. Bye.